So what is this madness? We're going to talk about a new movie? We are. We're going to talk about a movie while it is still culturally timely to do so. We I don't do this often. No, we don't. Getting us both to the theater, I went to the theater. I went to a theater as well. Like, like a public theater. Public theater. Not my theater. Do you know how long it's been since I've done that? How long? I don't even know. It has really? been so long. I can't even remember the last movie I saw in a theater prior to this one that I saw last night. I think for me, I think there's been one in the interim, but it was Endgame before the pandemic. And mm-hmm. then, but I think I maybe went and saw Spider-Man. Can't remember. Oh, I did see No Way Home yeah. in a theater. I think I saw it in a theater, but yeah, yeah, that was able to draw me out. But something else was able to draw me out. Which was? Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, which I saw on your recommendation because you saw it and loved it. And I said, we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't say I loved it. I said, it's worth your time. Okay. Right? You didn't love it? I thought it was a really good movie. Okay. I thought it was, you know, an eight out of 10. So it's on that borderline between like and love for me. Mm -hmm. I wish some narratives like this, and I don't want to talk all flaws because it's a good movie. You should go see it. I want to see more (laughs) of these. You know, this team was good. The people who made it understood D&D. They understood the jokes of D&D. But the plot, I just wanted a little more. I mm-hmm. wanted to take the plotting just a little more seriously. Okay. And this type of movie, that is not something the movie needs, is a <laughs> super tight plot. I'm interested to hear, probably later on, yes. how you would have changed the plot. I'll tell the things that the things bothered that, me. That, okay, yeah. yeah. But regardless, what? Yeah. so you loved it. This is the part of the show where everyone's like, Dan is a jerk. He's going to have hated this movie. I loved the movie. Okay. I thought it was great. I kind of thought you might hate it. <laughs> Because I I have trouble telling, you know, my enjoyment of films tends to run pretty solidly down the center of the science fiction fantasy fandom's enjoyment of something. Like Mm -hmm. things that they enjoy, I tend to like. Yeah. And so you, it's like if we plotted that, you're just like a scatter plot. It's like something like a shotgun to the the graph. There's very little like discernible pattern yeah. to the things that I love and the things that I don't. Mm-hmm. This one worked for me. Okay. It worked really well, which is interesting because more than anything else, it felt like a Marvel movie. Okay, yeah. But the kind of really fun, worthwhile Marvel movie that Marvel themselves haven't made in several years. Right. This is Thor, Love and Thunder. If Thor, Love and Thunder were Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> How's that for a... That, that's yeah. a very long way of saying this was Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it yeah. is doing a lot of things very right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things. We do need to point out, mm-hmm. dear listener, that we are going to spoil this movie. Yes. We haven't gotten to spoilers yet. Yep. Unless the fact that we liked it is somehow a spoiler for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that the acting in particular, yeah. like Hugh Grant is phenomenal. He is really he good. He's great in everything he does. Yeah. And I really love that he is in his kind of old con artist phase. Yes. Like Paddington 2 mm-hmm. and The Gentleman. Yep. And now this, he is he was okay as young rom-com lead. Yep. He is stellar as old conniving bastard. Right. Yes. He's found a niche that works so well for him. 
And every scene he's in, he can deliver the weirdest, goofiest dialogue in a way that you're like, yeah, there's gravitas to this story. Mm -hmm. But also Chris Pine is incredible. Chris Pine treats it seriously. Michelle Rodriguez is great. She's basically playing Drax, but does a really good job. She is really good at that. Like the barbarian is so hard to do Mm -hmm. in this sort of fantasy sword and sorcery thing. The barbarians usually just not a good character. Yeah. And in this, she's great. She's funny, but also touching, but also authentic. And what really made it work is, Mm -hmm. uh, and and I assume that a lot of this was her decision as an Uh actor, is she plays it laconic, right? She is not the big blustering, like, bring me another flagon of mead kind of character. She is the strong, silent background character Mm -hmm. who will crack jokes when necessary. But, and I compared her to Drax, which isn't entirely fair because Drax is funny because he doesn't know he's funny. She's making jokes on purpose Mm -hmm. because she's very smart. Yes. But yeah, she was great. Justice Smith was great too. And he hasn't really been in as much of the build up because he's not as big of a name mm-hmm. but I've loved him in his like TV shows and stuff that he's done the get down was phenomenal and he really sells it as the kind of very insecure wizard guy he really was good but even I, I don't know the actor's name the full of himself paladin the paladin just reggae Jean page is great he was great and he's the one going into it that I assumed was going to be terrible because yes. all the trailers he looks so cliche. Yep. And then you get into the movie and realize, oh, he's cliche on purpose. Mm-hmm. And they know it. And yeah. they're leaning right into it. See, that's what I said when I said they know the D&D tropes, right? Mm-hmm. They know, like, the bard being useless is, <laughs> like, such a thing. Mm-hmm. And it is so good in this to have the heroic bard who is useless. Yeah. Not totally useless, obviously. But, yeah. you know, like the but, calling it out. What do you bring to the team? Um, like, why are you here? You have a loot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I do like the way they sidestepped some of the bad cliches, right? Yes. Like the joke on the internet is that the bard seduces everyone. Yes. Which is never no. really matched my experience of any bard character they have a high charisma but that's not what they do Mm -hmm. and this movie ignored that it stayed away from the obvious cliches and went for the fun cliches yes and addressed them in a really good way and this is maybe where we're going to start spoilers so i think we've done a little bit but this is full-on spoilers full-on spoilers from here one of the things that i love and i'm gonna say these two things and then Mm -hmm. we can discuss them in whatever order we decide I thought it was really incredible the way that they captured the feel of what it's like to be in a D&D campaign. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. But also very funny, maybe in an unintentional way, that they got the rules of D&D so incredibly wrong. Right? Well, the very first combat scene that we see yes. is... The barbarian using an improvised weapon uh-huh. to by herself take out 10 guards in a couple of rounds. That would never happen in a game of d I disagree. I disagree. What? I looked up their stat sheets. Mm-hmm. Their stat sheets are total bunk. Like, I don't know who put these <laughs> together. They're the official ones. Yeah. But she's 17th level. 
Okay. Seventeenth mm-hmm. level barbarian. I figured they had to be pretty high yeah. level. With like, we're gonna get nerd out, but you've got lots of cleave skills and things that if, like you kill one person, you immediately attack that one next to you, right? You've got multiple attacks, mm-hmm. and you're fighting minions who have one hit die, perhaps, so that your weapon can kill them in a stroke. I suppose. Yeah, maybe two, right? Like that's totally legit. Particularly at the beginning of a campaign where you're like, oh, you got a bunch of minions. Go mow them down. Beginning of a campaign, you're not going to be 17th level. No, but beginning of, no, you can be. I've done plenty of campaigns where it's like, here's campaign number two, number Mm -hmm. three, right? Like this is the beginning of an arc in a campaign. Like I'm okay with that one. I like the nods toward it, toward trying to do the rules. Like they're using actual spells. They're using actual monsters from the monster manual. Yes. They're using, but that's the lore of D anD. Yeah, okay. It's the rules that okay. fell apart for me. They like, did the lore right. They, okay. They showed wild shape the way everyone wants wild shape yes. to work, and it never actually one. works. Yes. Right. She turns in the one big chase scene. Yes. She goes through like seven different animal forms, mm-hmm. and she does them instantly. And that's what everyone wants wild shape to be, and it yes. isn't. Well, I'll agree on that one, except I think that's what Wild Shape should be. I 100% agree um, And with so I feel like I agree with you. Maybe they got the rule set wrong, but the lore is what they should pay attention to for this mm-hmm. movie. They should not pay attention to that. <laughs> I think they should jettison that and be like, yeah, the rules are an imperfect way to play this lore in characters. Granted. The reason that that stood out to yeah. me is... What I am hoping happens mm-hmm. is, first of all, that we'll get a lot more D&D and yeah. fantasy movies. But also, I'm hoping this brings people into the hobby. Yes. And I worry that someone's going to be like, okay, I want to make a druid character. Wait, what do you mean I can't wild shape into an owl bear? Uh, she, on her stat sheet, <laughs> I looked it up. It says, wild shape and it gives the actual rules for wild mm-hmm. shape. can turn into this, this, to this, or an owl bear. On her stat sheet, <laughs> it says. She's yeah. got... And in D&D rules, you could make that happen. Like you've had a wish at level 15 or whatever. And you've wished, I wish that I can be an owlbear when I wild shape. That's within the purview of like what a limited wish would do. I mean, at level something. 17, yeah. I'm willing to, yeah. to grant that that has happened, yes. right? But it's the fast changing, right? Like I haven't played in a while. It's the going through a bunch of different animals. Going through a bunch of them, yeah. being able to use wild shape a zillion times. I suppose yeah. if she's a, you know moon druid whatever that mm-hmm. one's called well she at casts high enough level no spells right yeah that's the one thing that i disagree with you on that stuff i'm like whatever <laughs> who cares about that like but the fact that the bard doesn't have any spells yeah and, and he sings a few times but there's no magical effects like yeah attached to it and they're apparently a 17th level like they're all between like 16th and 18th at least it was their 5th edition stat sheets. I haven't played a lot of 5th edition, but they're listing them at 18 hit dice. So was Simon yeah. level 17? Because that is nonsense. Yeah. So like <laughs> they're listing them by their hit die as if they're monsters. Okay. Right? For these stat sheets. So if someone has 18 hit dice, that means they're at level 18, right? I believe the, so. The human yeah. character or uh, humanoid. So yes. But then it lists his spells. As only the ones he cast in the show. It's like, he's like 17, die eight, hit dice. His spells are Bixby's Grasping Hand, Dimension Door, <laughs> and this other thing. It's like, okay. And then it lists like the lady who's the evil red wizard. It's like, and she can cast Time Stop, 
and Bixby's grasping hand. I'm like, there's a hole between a ninth level spell and a mm-hmm. third level spell. Uh, yeah, which she, is, she might have access to some maybe other stuff. Should be filled at some point. Yeah, yeah. watching it, I'm like, okay, yeah. the druid is clearly very high level. The barbarian's yes. very high level. Mm-hmm. The bard feels like maybe just an expert character yeah, instead of like a character class. Yeah. Simon was like a first level wizard who was trying to grow up. He has Bixby's grasping hand. I can put him at like a ninth level wizard, right? He's just, yeah. he's muddled through it. He's got like a low stat and he's just like, yeah. Yeah. The other thing, not to harp on this topic mm-hmm. too much, but the other thing that really stood out as being a very weird interpretation of it was when the dragon shows up, mm-hmm. they run away. And I'm like, no D&D group runs away from a fight. You have to try so hard to convince yeah. your players, this is not a fight you can win. Please run away. Particularly if you're a group of near epic level characters mm-hmm. and there's a dragon. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm there with you on that Dur- one. During the phase where they have the GM character, like level 20 paladin who's yeah. hanging out with them. Yeah. They're like, oh, you gave us the paladin for this fight because you want us to actually take down the dragon. Yeah. Okay, that said, mm-hmm. put all that aside, I genuinely loved all of the nods toward the actual way that people play the game. Yes. Rules aside, yeah. for example, the scene with the bridge. Mm-hmm. Every game group has this where you're like presented with a puzzle yeah. and you immediately screw it up and the GM's like, crap, I got to think of some way to get them yeah. across this thing. Oh, um, you've got a portal gun. And then, you know, the second half of that is uh-huh. that now the poor GM, in order to salvage his storyline, has given them a magic item that is far more powerful than he realized, and they abuse the living hell out of it for the rest of the campaign. Like, that was so true to how D&D is actually played. That was. The portal gun is one of the things I don't like. Really? Because, now, I like how they use it. I like how clever they are with it. Mm -hmm. But the, crap, we just broke the bridge. Oh, look, a magic item is... One of the things that undermines the narrative structure for me. 100%. It is Uh bad storytelling, except Uh that every game master has been in that situation. And my headcanon is that they were specifically trying to include a moment where the players have derailed the GM's campaign and he is trying to find a weird kludge to keep the story going. I don't know if that's true, yeah. but that's how it felt to me, and I loved it so much that for that reason. That would be genius if it were true, but it would still undermine the story <laughs> of this story, like right, the narrative of this story. Mm-hmm. Like I was fine with the, because they worked it into the joke, you'd have to be able to talk to the dead. Oh, well, actually I can do that, mm-hmm. was funny. And so I bought that you have this magic item that is incredibly powerful because it has unlimited uses. Yeah, the speak with dead spell, yeah. unlimited. Yeah, but I was okay with that one, but it just kept happening. That's like, here's the thing that you need right now. Um, it <laughs> it means that like the story, this is what holds it back from the the higher rating. The mm-hmm. the right now it's a good movie that I. Yeah. Fully recommend. The other big thing for that me for me is maybe this just plays into you know D and D campaign stuff. But mm-hmm. the villain's plan was so dumb, and the villains <laughs> like the whole thing with the villain was dumb. And I just can't get past 
like the fact that they look back and there's lightning coming from the sky and they're able to number one cross that distance instantly mm-hmm. yeah. after you know when they look if you've been on a boat yeah. you're 15 minutes out a half you're, you're hour ways, out yeah and um, then they are able to clear the people out of the thing yes instantly beyond that and this is my biggest problem they think that dropping money outside is going to clear the crowd who live in a fantasy world faster than red lightning and smoke coming from an evil wizard, right? (laughs) If that place can get cleared, it's cleared the moment that smoke comes down. And so Mm -hmm. in the flashback we've shown, people cannot run away from the smoke. That's the aspect of the smoke. Look at all these people running. The smoke gets them. There's no way they can get away from it. And that whole sequence legitimately undermined the movie while I was watching it. It's not like, oh, look at Goofy plot hole. It's like, I wanted this evil wizard to be a good, bad guy, evil (laughs) wizard. And I wanted this part to work. And Mm -hmm. it just did not. And it kind of manifest all these little problems through it where it's like, the acting is great. The lore is great. The jokes are great. The plot, well, we'll do what we need to do to do the plot that people expect us to Mm -hmm. have. And that bothered me a little bit. But there are other excellent parts about the plot. When they pull off their mini heist to get into the treasure room, how they pull that off mixed with getting there and it's not where they thought it was, all perfect. Just a really excellent scene, you know, really tight writing all the way through there that I liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did some good stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have the problems with the ending that you had. I Mm -hmm. agree with you completely. Right, it just didn't undermine the film. But for me, it felt like a plausible D&D campaign, even Mm -hmm. though it was kind of a bad story. Right. And that... That's a very backhanded compliment, but it worked for me. I mean, other parts of it worked very well. Like this is an example of how to do what Rise of Skywalker wanted to do, which is the, I need to get this thing to get this thing to solve the problem at the end. And in this, I never felt like, you know, oh, I'm just MacGuffining after MacGuffin. It's like, for some reason, it just, it works for me to be like, all right, we have the speak with dead. Let's go find this. That leads us to this. This guy helps us get it. Then we take this and do this thing. Mm-hmm. All just worked. And you do that a lot in D&D. Yeah. Well, to get through the door, you're going to need the helm of disjunction. Good luck finding it. I do really like, speaking of the tight plotting, the mm-hmm. way that they actually defeated the sorceress in the end. Yes, that was, was well done. Was laid in there step by step from the very beginning of the movie. It was. Here's the little invisibility thing that the girl mm-hmm. has. Here's two reminders that she has it. Here's the little anti-magic bracelet, uh, and here's how it works, and here's a bunch of extra ones on a wall. Like, without being obvious about it, they laid all of their pieces. The idea is that he makes plans. That's the value of him. Mm -hmm. I would have liked a little more on that. His character worked, but something was just a little shade off, and I'm not even sure if I can put my finger on it for uh, what it is. I don't know. The one part of the ending that mm-hmm. was too much for me. Yeah. You know, as much as I said earlier, it's like a Marvel movie, but yeah. fantasy. They basically did the we have a Hulk scene almost word for word. Like he could have just said we have an owl bear. Mm-hmm. And then over there we see the owl bear say puny god and smash mm-hmm. the sorceress into the ground. Like they ripped off that specific 30 seconds from the Avengers. Yep. Whole cloth. Which felt like they could have been a little more interesting about mm-hmm. it. 
but also the kind of jokey feel. And I've seen the movie be getting kind of dinged for this in reviews. Movie critics and audiences who have never played D&D are like, wait a minute, this fantasy movie, it isn't epic. It doesn't take itself seriously. It is full of jokes. And everyone who's played D&D is like, yeah, they're all full of jokes. It's amazing that we got this far and were as successful as they were. Yes. Because the people at the table are constantly cracking jokes. That felt incredibly true. It did for me too. It felt very authentic. And when I was a kid, little baby Brandon, I liked the Harper novels, Mm -hmm. the Forgotten Realms Harper novels. And leaning into that lore, it's an excellent part of their lore for this type of story. And I really like that aspect of it. I'm like, ah, hey. And I, I assume, you know, the, the in-jokes were something that you enjoyed as a DM. Mm-hmm. The appearance of the Saturday morning cartoon cast. Oh, man. That was, was the one mm-hmm. laugh-out-loud moment for me. Yeah. And, you know, everyone in the, the theater with me, I think, was a D&D nerd because yeah. they were laughing at all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear anyone else laugh out you loud at that. You were the only one old enough to be I, like, I, th- I think I might have been the only one old enough to be like, I used to watch that cartoon yep. when I was a kid. Yeah. Like I saw them in the back the first time that they were on. I'm like, that's the that's the paladin or the cavalier, whatever his name is. The guy that had the mm-hmm. the weird the armor costume. and the yeah. kind of thing. Isn't it? Oh, that's cool nod. And then the barbarian kid finds the hammer or whatever. He finds a weapon. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, the, they're the doing it on purpose. The barbarian kid finds the axe yeah. uh, was the first time I saw it. And I'm like, wait, are yeah. they doing the cartoon? And then you watch his group run away. Yes. And there's the nerd kid with the yeah. big green conical wizard yep. hat. And I'm like, oh, they're absolutely doing this. So, That's the greatest thing. That was perfect. I mean, technically, I think they were in Greyhawk, and this is Forgotten Realms. So <laughs> going nerdy, you got to... Yeah, They've ruined everything. Yeah. But no, good tone. Yeah. yeah. I uh, loved Bradley Cooper's little cameo. What was Bradley Cooper's cameo? He was Marleman. He was the halfling. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Didn't didn't recognize him. I did not. It was an uncredited cameo, too. Okay. He wasn't in the credits. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I thought that worked well. I like the fact that his new wife was also a giant barbarian woman, Mm -hmm. and they never made a joke about it. It's just obvious that he has a type. And they just let that and joke that she does too. stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, oh, hey, another halfling. Yep. Yeah. So like it was obvious from the very beginning, as soon as he's like, I've got this tablet of reawakening, like yep. obviously we know he's not going to bring his wife back. Right? Yeah. So w- this is one of the things I was wrong about that I call like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, all right, here's what our plot is going to be. I thought it would be he gets to have the moment with her. Mm. And she says, thank you for raising our child. I'm at peace, whatever. Like, I thought there would be a moment like that because in this sort of narrative, there almost is, almost always is well, a moment like that. They, they did that moment in flashback yeah. where if you love something, you just got to let it go. Right. You know, whatever she said about the dragonfly. Yes. When she actually said that, I leaned over to Emily and said, metaphor. <laughs> uh, and Emily's like, what? I'm like, yeah. But it was the, a little The moment handed. when they make it back to Neverwinter yeah. after mm-hmm. the escape and see the daughter and she runs to Holga yeah. instead of to her father, I immediately yeah. knew she was going to be the one to die and they'd yeah. have to use the tablet on her instead of the mom. Yeah, you had to, at the beginning, you're like, all right, who are they going to bring back? And then they did the thing where they're like, some people don't want to come back. So you might be in a better place, which I'm like, hmm, why is this here? Right? 
Like, even still, I'm not quite sure why that's there. That's there so that the audience feels better about the fact he didn't bring his wife back. Yeah, I guess it is. But, like, that only raised the question to me of, well, is she? Like, who knows? The it, it, it did make me think for a minute, like, right. are they going to bring her back and she's going to be pissed? Like, Yeah. But, yeah. I am sad that the paladin wasn't with them longer. Uh, he no. was funny. He was one joke, and so I can understand why they didn't keep him around. I think he was there the perfect amount of time, personally. So, I don't know. The rest of the group is more interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you think of the tiefling? Tiefling? Uh, I liked the tiefling. Mm-hmm. Again, she had one power, which was wild shape. And she used it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. when they're in the Underdark and yeah. they're running across the bridge, the one character who falls is the one who can turn into a bird. Yeah. And she doesn't. And she's not a bird already. Like, yeah. I see a dragon. Everyone's running. I am a fast animal. Yeah, turn um, into a horse yes. and put Simon on your back because he's mm-hmm. the slow one. Yeah. Like, they only had her use her wild shape really in three scenes. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it was nothing, which was weird. She also felt like, and she's only like 20 years old. Yes. She couldn't hold up to the rest of them in, in terms of, of acting. Yeah, and I she think- she kind of felt out of her depth. I agree with you. I noticed that, but I think they leaned into it on purpose mm-hmm. and she was leaning into it. Just this kind of, I'm withdrawn and whatnot and I'm an outsider. And so it worked really well. It does. Um, and the but, group dynamic didn't yeah. really need or have room for another really vocal person. Yeah. I mm-hmm. thought she did a wonderful job, I have to say. Right. But she's up against Michelle Rodriguez, Chris Pine, and Justice Smith, who yeah. I think are all phenomenal. Yeah. And she she held her own as... Mm-hmm the quiet, withdrawn kind of introvert at the table, mm-hmm. right? She is, she is, she reminded me of the one time I convinced my wife to play D&D with me. And she's like, oh, there's a character who can turn into a rabbit. I'm going to be the druid and I'm going to turn into cute animals and didn't really participate in the story, but just turned into Was I there? Was that the one, the campaign I was there for and Don went and clean the kitchen while we were playing and would just call things out periodically? Yes. Yeah. That was the one. I actually, three times in our very long marriage together, mm-hmm. I have convinced her to role play. One of them she spent cleaning the kitchen. One of them she spent playing Yahtzee with herself, mm. with the dice. And the other one was while we were still dating and, mm. and I can't even remember what happened in that one. That's when uh, one. Audrey, if your daughter ever listens to this, through my shoes in the uh, bathtub. In the bathtub, yeah. Which is mm-hmm. obviously where shoes go. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she was collecting everyone's shoes and mm-hmm. throwing them in the bathtub. So, yeah. yeah. And every pillow in the house. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the druid worked for me in that sense. Mm-hmm. I did like her. I, I feel bad now that I'm like, she wasn't a good actor. She was. Mm-hmm. She was just in very troublesome company to try to stand out in. If you were a D&D character class in real life, what is your class? Oh, like, how would I describe myself yeah. in D and D terms? Yep. Yep. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I gotta say bard, right? Because I'm a storyteller. Yeah, that's what I was. I was watching this. I'm like, yeah. am I the bard? I don't sing. You sing really I, well. I am a singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we came over to your house and did karaoke. Yeah. With my family and you and Emily. Yes. And, and my Joel son. Mm-hmm. and you and Joel just played. 
we, on your Steam Decks. We the pulled whole out time. Steam Decks, and I was playing Doom, and he was playing, he was playing Hades. Hades, and you were singing a song about hell, and it was yeah, actually same pretty, flagpole sit down. Yeah, it was uh-huh. perfect. Yep. I was just there for moral support for Emily, who yeah. you know likes to have her family there when she does karaoke. She's a very good singer, and so I pulled out the Steam Deck. My son bought a Steam Deck, and so I had with to buy his own his, money. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so I'm like, oh, and then he keeps playing it, and it's really, it's like. Oh, so he bought it first, and you were yeah. like, I need, like, think I need one I of those. I might need one of those. Very That's nice. basically a Switch with all my Switch PC with games. with all your Steam games on yeah. it. Yeah. I think if I had to describe myself as mm. a D&D class, it would be Bard. Yep. But when I play D&D, yeah. I am usually a ranger. Okay. I will always, in any role-playing game, I will always go to the pet class. Because that is what okay. excites me. I think that it's very fun. You don't think there's any paladin or cleric to you? No cross-classing? I mean, I'm in the bishopric of yep. my ward, uh-huh. so there's got to be some cleric in there somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Probably more cleric than paladin. Okay. If I'm a paladin, I have definitely specced wrong. I don't have enough points in constitution to be a good paladin. Because mm. I, I could see that I have a level or two of paladin. That whole crusade sort of for certain, I don't know, but possibly the thing people get wrong about me is they like they assume every writer is a great scholar, right? Like they're going to put you in Harry Potter houses. They will be like, oh, you must be Ravenclaw or things like that. And no. Some writers are. Some are. Some definitely are. But my but wife it's, it's is not like, inherent. My wife would be wizard. That would be her class. Okay. Right? And I'm I not taking absolutely see that about yeah. her. I'm talking, you know, just kind of the obviously doesn't have spells, but she loves to dig into a topic and into a book. And mm-hmm. if if you say something she's interested in, she will go and find the book about that thing to read it to Yeah. 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 I almost said wizard for me mm-hmm. because of the uh kind mm-hmm. of book learning nerd aspect of it. Yeah. My wife would definitely be a bard as well. Yeah. Did I tell you she's going back to school? You as did. A vocal performance major. Yeah. So yeah, she's. Mm-hmm. We're both bards. Yep. What about you? So a couple I, I levels would, of paladin. I think I'm bard mostly, right? Like mm-hmm. there might be a paladin in there, but when I play, I play one of two archetypes. Either I play whatever wizardy thing I can get. You know, like the. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. With cleric, clerics can wizard in interesting ways. Yeah. When I say wizard, have access to a lot of interesting spells that can match lots of situations. Yeah. So I prefer that to sorcerer because I want to have a bunch of things that I could potentially yeah. do. But the other archetype is the rogue who convinces everyone he's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. The rogue who pretends to be a wizard. Uh-huh. So those are, those are my, my main archetypes. So. Yeah, I remember... One of the games that we put together in mm-hmm. college that didn't last very long is we played a Rifts campaign. Yeah. And we're like, you weren't there the day we made characters. And so we looked at the list we had and we're like, you know, we don't really have a tank yet. And so we gave you kind of a, a very paladin-esque noble mm-hmm. knight warrior kind of thing. And it did not fit you at all. I did play... Farg, the dwarven brawler, once, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of fun because I could really ham up the character. That's where, if I can't min-max the rules, I will just ham up personality. Yeah. But we've talked at length about how we should mm-hmm. be careful not to let both of us do that at once. Now, I kind of want to... I wonder who out there 
of the listeners is going to create uh, character sheets for us. Oh, character sheets. Mostly for us. bards, a mm-hmm. couple levels of paladin, a couple levels of cleric. Yep. So, one of my favorite Onion articles, it's from the early 2000s, and it says Bill Gates gives self. 18 intelligence, 19 charisma. And you go and you see his character sheet, he's crossed them out and added <laughs> one to each of them. And mm-hmm. it's like the name of like Bilbo of the Gate People is his character sheet. And it's like, you know, and it has a whole nice. article about how he decided he's finally, he finally thinks he's achieved having an extra point of intelligence and charisma or whatever. I'm, I'm remembering <laughs> it a little slant wise, but yeah. So that's delightful. Did you see um, the old D&D movie? The old one, yes, with like Marlon Wayans yes. in it, mm-hmm. or Damon Wayans, whichever yes. Wayans brother. Yes, I did. How does this compare to that? Well, the old one is abominable, mm. and this one is wonderful. I went and saw that one with Scar, who's here. <laughs> but yeah, you and I saw it after writing group, didn't we? Do you remember that? I have a vague memory. Yeah, it was after writing group one time at Scar's okay. house. Did you go to a theater we or was it theater. one of the ones we, we just watched a movie nope. at Scar's house? No, nope. after D&D or whatever, Scar and I are like, hey, let's go see a movie. And so I think it was just the two of us. We went out and saw D&D because we wanted to see it. And it is bad enough to be good, right? Like the old D&D movie mm, maybe is, I, I think it is. Jeremy Irons is chewing the scenery Yeah, and he knows... What kind of movie he's in? Like, you can tell that he hated every second of his involvement with that Mm -hmm. and still turned in a stellar scene-chewing performance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't take it seriously, but he knew what it was, and he knew how to do it right. Yep. But one of the problems I have, and one of the reasons Mm -hmm. I like this new one so much, is that that old one really did kind of take itself very seriously, in a way that did not fit the tone yeah, of D&D. Which is what makes it, I think, a good bad movie. It's like mm. it's trying so hard and it's not getting there. But yeah. I will say one thing that that movie has over this one. Okay. I believe if you do a count of Dungeons and or Dragons. That that one has more? That one has more of both. This one it, really only has... One dungeon. Yep. If you count the Underdark. Yep. And two dragons. Two right? dragons. One in a flashback. Three, because there was a flashback. Yeah. I don't know. Do you count the stone dragon in your yes. dragon count? I think it's a half point. I have to count. It's that. an animated stone dragon. Uh, you, you get a half point for that. They did manage to get a dragon esque thing into the final fight, which which is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And the dragon that they had. Is better than any of the dragons. This is apparently a real dragon from D&D lore. It is. The big fat dragon. Yep. And my son, my 15-year-old son who's played D&D, was sitting next to me, and that's the point where he lost it. He loved that dragon. Did he recognize it from the lore? Nope. He just thought, Chonky Dragon is the (laughs) coolest thing because... That exemplifies what makes this movie great is it's like, what interesting choice can we make? Yeah. In this situation for the characters rather than what is the obvious choice. And mm-hmm. they made the interesting choice multiple times throughout the movie. Yeah. And this was definitely the interesting choice. Well, and the Chonky Dragon mm-hmm. works in part because of that flashback where we see a real dragon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If the only dragon in the story 
was the weird chubby one that can't fly yep. and can't breathe fire very well, then that would have been weird. It might have been disappointing. But yep. because they showed us a real dragon earlier, our brains are like, okay, dragons are normal in this world. And then you can show us the weird one and have the main dragon be the off-kilter quirky one. And it still doesn't feel wrong. It, it fits perfectly. The old Dungeons and Dragons movie, though, is all about getting the crown of controlling dragons or something like that. And there's like hundreds of dragons, bad CGI dragons. And so they do have more dragons. I will also point out the point where they get away from the big fat dragon with Mm -hmm. the lighting, the finger and things like that was the moment in the movie where multiple people in our audience said, what? Yeah. That one needed more workshop. I think what they're saying is the dragon can't ignite his flame. Mm-hmm. But that just does not click and does not work. And if he's breathing methane at them. Well, and I also yeah. didn't understand like when he says, wait, is that salt water? Okay, I have a plan. Does that mean yeah. I know we're under the sea? Yeah. Or does that mean, wait, there's going to be a chemical reaction with the salt and the gas yep. and the... They were tr- it was it was very weird. See, this is the when I talked about something being off about his character, that's the thing that is missing, right? Is mm-hmm. the he's valuable because he's good at plans. Mm-hmm. Was he ever not good at plans? Did he lose that skill? Is he trying again? Right? Because the guy's like, I see a, a harper. And I'm like, but he's always been making the plans. He has never lost that. Well, right? the, the harper and, thing was less about the plans and more about his leadership code right no it was his leadership at that point he's like i see a harper because he's like oh what if we did this and the guy's like i see a harper i'm like yeah but that's what that's what what he's been doing the whole time the whole time i I thought he had a good character arc Mm -hmm. but it did not include his competence in any way. yeah and he did have it like coming to understand us i will point out excellent character arc i left my daughter and that got my wife killed Mm -hmm. now my daughter's surrogate mother is something I need to sacrifice to bring back for her good. The line that crystallized his character arc for me, Mm -hmm. and by extension, the whole movie, was when he said, I wasn't trying to bring your mother back. I was trying to bring my wife back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is genuinely great writing and great Mm -hmm. characterization and a wonderful moment. That's not an arc I've seen anywhere else. Yeah. And it's not an arc you can do outside of fantasy. And it's kind of a, hey, you're leaning into what makes fantasy great but there's genuine emotion. That whole thing was good. Mm-hmm. But there's something just missing in the whole returning to be a Harper sort of thing that I did like the reveal yeah. that he stole the money, that that caused the thing, right? Mm-hmm. But something just, I wanted something to click just a little bit more. And it's hard to say, hey, this was a good job. Could, could yeah. be better. But, well, and yeah. they gave the like regain your confidence arc yeah. to Simon instead of to him. Yep. They gave the become competent arc to Simon instead of to him. Yep. And it kind of felt like they split the one character arc over those two characters. Right. And that's true. And Simon, like, become confident also didn't quite ever click. It seems like the sort of thing you have to put in this movie. So he has an arc. But I'm like, yeah. Well, and as soon as the grandfather showed up, I'm like, yeah. no, that's him. That's clearly yeah. him in the future or whatever, whatever they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And then when it was revealed, you know, I only had to defeat myself. Like, yes, but. But how did you do that? Please connect more dots. What made you able to defeat yourself? That's the important part. Not the fact yeah. that you slapped a dude, right? Like, what about you? Is it that 
they're right that you can only be competent if the situation is very stressful because that's what it seemed to be saying means you didn't learn anything because you've always been like that. Yeah. Right? Like that's the Mm -hmm. same sort of little issue I'm having there. But very small issues in a great movie that you should all go see. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it far more than I expected to. I'm very excited to show it to my D&D nerd son. It's awesome. And I very much am hoping that we get more movies. How's that, Ben? (laughs) 